0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning. Good morning, my friends. You have reached the Sacred, Sunday Sacred, and I would like to welcome you to Sacred Sundays. And my name is Sean McCain, and I will be reading every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. We read right straight through the Bible. Today we're on 2 Corinthians 8, and uh, I'm so happy to have you listening with me this morning, and thank you so much. So let's say say a little prayer as we open uh, for our Bible study. We also want to pray for those that are suffering worldwide. There's been many, many more uh, violence against uh, different people, different sects, different countries. Uh, Heavenly Father, please watch over everyone and please just put an end to this suffering. We ask you, we ask you to help and watch over everybody that's suffering here and abroad. Also, we pray for those who, who are lost and alone and those who are in places where they can't get help. And we pray for those who are alone and possibly in dire situations. And we pray for their comfort, for your Holy Spirit to go to them and help them. We also ask in Jesus' name to please watch over all those who can't speak for themselves, including the animals. Please, Heavenly Father, ease everybody's suffering. We also ask for the healing of the nations and healing for our pains and our aches and uh, different things that are wrong with us, we ask in Jesus' name to help us overcome these things or else help us endure them in a peaceful manner. Please, Heavenly Father, help us in our relationships. Help us heal all of our relationships, husband, wife, mother, daughter, father, son, and between siblings and all the other family members. And we want to heal the relationship between friends and any resentments that we let go of, and we ask in Jesus' name to please help those that are lost and lonely, that even may have mental problems, so please, God, heal them. Heal them and soothe their pain and soothe their suffering. And we know that the past has harmed a lot of us, but we ask Jesus, in Jesus' name, for us to forget and to start to rebuild our lives. We ask for a holier, everyday life and a happier life. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. And if you like the opening song, it's by Save, S-A-V-A-E. It's a it. it's a awesome ensemble. What it does is it has a medieval chanting that goes along with Native American um, uh, instruments. So uh, you can go to www.save.org, or you can actually uh, go on YouTube and listen to their music for free, or get it on Amazon. I got my CD on Amazon. Anyway, I've had that C D forever, so now I use it to open up for a Sunday morning. So anyway, last week we were in Second Corinthians chapter eight, and um Paul, you know, has a lot to say and this time it was about a letter uh that he had written, but also that uh he wanted to say, you know, let's stay together. And then Paul knows that the Corinthians and you're going to make things right again, and he asks them to open up their hearts to him and his friends. He also throws in a little fatherly love. I often boast about you, and I have great pride in you. Paul, you're making the Corinthians blush. Anyway, that's cute. The cheerful letter. Now, Paul starts to reminisce about the previous letter he sent to the Corinthians, the one he cried while he was writing. And what can you say? He a sensitive man. Paul tells them that when he and Timothy went to Macedonia to see Titus, and get the news about how people reacted to the letter in Corinth, they were really nervous. Would the Corinthians be angry? Would they reject him? Or would they finally do something about that naughty, offending brother who has caused all this mess in the first place? But when Titus told them that the things were going better in Corinth, that they liked Paul, they really liked him, and he was thrilled. Paul tells them that he was sorry that he had his letter had hurt him, but not really. Yes, he's sorry the letter made them upset, but it also got them into the act, and that's what's most important, right? See, they felt felt a good kind of upset, the kind that makes a person want to stop being so stubborn, to agree with Paul, you know, oh. that kind. But Paul didn't write to them before just to call out, out the offending brother. Nope. He wrote to the Corinthians so that they could all patch things up between them, and they did. Paul tells them that Titus was super happy when he saw how obedient the Corinthians were to Paul. This is why he brags about Corinth all the time. Anyway, nice job, everybody. So that was last week. So let's go ahead and get our Bibles. I read out of the Library Study Bible, and you can use any Bible you wish, of course. There's also online research, www.biblia.com. You can also read out of that Bible. Uh, so we're now on 2 Corinthians chapter 8, as we make our straight through the, straight through the New Testament. And let's start at chapter 8. And it begins here. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberty. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that, as he had previously made a beginning, so that he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Now they're going to be talking about the purposes of giving. Just as you have abounded in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all earnestness, and the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in the gracious work, this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as a proving through the earnestness of others and the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet not yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter for this is to your advantage. Who were the first to begin a year ago not only to do this but also to desire to do it? But now finish doing it also so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what he does not have for this is not the ease of, this is not for the ease of others but and for your affliction but by way of equality as this present time your abundance being in a supply for their need so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need so that there may be equality as it is written he who has gathered much did not have too much and he who gathered little had no lack In the policies of giving But thanks be to God That he puts the same earnestness On your behalf in the heart of Titus For he not only accepted our appeal But being himself very earnest He has gone to you Of his own accord We have sent along with with him A brother who same in the things Of the gospel has spread Through all the churches and not only this, but he also has been appointed by the churches to travel with us in the gracious work, which is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our readiness, taking precautions so that no one will be discredited us in our administration of this generous gift. For we have, we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things, but now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brethren, they are messengers of the churches, a glory to Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the truth of your love and of our, of our reason for boasting about you. Well, let's go back and read the notes. Now, that was a very nice letter. Okay, the churches in Macedonia, that's Philippi, Thessalonica, uh, Berea. Although the church in Philippi had, constituted, had contributed to Paul, apparently financial conditions had worrisome. Perhaps the collection had been uh, because of the problems of the Corinthian church. Some purposes in giving are to abound in all aspects of Christian experience. To prove the reality of one's love, to imitate Christ, and to help meet the needs of others. So, this generosity means the generosity of spirit so that we can help each other. A concise statement of the gospel and the motivation for giving is in 8 9. So, why don't we read 8 9 again? 2 uh, Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you would, you through his poverty, he might become rich. Okay, so eight twelve, Giving should be commensurate with what one has. And then Paul is saying that though now it is the believers in Jerusalem who need help from the Corinthians, someday the reverse might be true. In either case, God will supply the need, just as he did for the manna for Israel in the wilderness. And then they're talking about the brother, the fellow Christian. Though we do not know who he is, perhaps or someone else. This man was obviously well known for preaching in the gospel. Titus who was an unnamed brother and a third brother, also unnamed, acted as trustees to the money to ensure a complete proprietary in handling of the money. And then at the end it says, especially in handling money there must be some accountability to men as well as to God. So of course that's it, you know, as as it is today, um Churches have to be very careful with their money. Some make a lot, some make little. And uh, as I just thought of it, maybe those people in the big churches making a lot should share with the little churches. And uh, that would be nice and help them keep on their feet. I don't know if they are doing it or not, but anyway, that's the tone of the whole thing. So let's switch to guideposts. I want to thank everybody for listening to that. And... uh, we're learning. The more we read, the more we learn, and uh, the more wisdom we can hopefully get when we read this stuff. So anyway, um, let's do – I'm looking at my little quotes here. I'm going to read you another story. And then it says, uh, Thanksgiving with the homeless. We do have Thanksgiving coming up, so let's read this. Linda Newkrog, Walnut Creek, California. This seemed more like April Fool's Day than Thanksgiving. I was right in the middle of the kind of bizarre mix-up that could only happen to me. Just a few hours earlier, I had been pretty smug about my Thanksgiving plans. Originally, I had nowhere to go. My family was 3,000 miles away, and I hadn't made any friends here yet in San Francisco. But then I had a bright idea. A quick phone call, call to a downtown soup kitchen, and suddenly I had something important and useful to do. More than useful, it was noble. When a coworker extended an invitation to me to dine with her family, I didn't succeed in keeping smugness out of my voice as I said, No, I decided to do something useful this year. After I explained, she seemed impressed, and as she should, I thought, pretty impressed with myself. I woke at 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving morning, eager to get to the city. I didn't envy the families I rode on the train with who were close, chattering and admiring one another's color coordinated outfits. One day, I would be have friends here, too, but this year, my plans and T-shirt were appropriate. After all, I was on my way to do good work and not enjoy the party. When I arrived at the shelter, I wasn't surprised by all the people lined up. Year after year, safe in a cozy confines of my family's living room, I had seen the pictures on TV news, hordes of people at long tables, squalling children, toothless old men. I looked around to see where I was supposed to go. In the alley, scores of people were standing in clusters, under an oak tag sign reading, volunteers, please wait here. I made my way over alongside other volunteers, surprised so many were willing to do a good turn. Apparently, the man holding the clipboard was surprised, too, for he stumbled over his words as he said, I'm Ed, uh, folks. This has never happened before. We have way too many volunteers. We usually never get 50, the 50 we need. So we all had radio stations mentioned in it this year. So now we have 200 and no place to put you all, even in double shifts. He grinned. Just to remind you, we could certainly use your help for the rest of the year. Then it added, but today you good people get a reprieve. So we would like to thank you all for coming and wish you a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. A surprised murmur ran through the crowd. Everyone besides me seemed delighted to be able to leave. That's great news, the red-cheeked man in front of me said to his pal. Now I can go over to my sister's, and Vicky's always claiming she doesn't see me enough. A woman was thrilled to be going to her cousin. Sarah told me to drop in any time and the kids would be tickled by my surprise visit. My stomach felt hollow as I realized I didn't know anyone in the hall well enough to show up at the last minute, saying here I am after all. Just then Ed called out, all you volunteers are welcome to join us for lunch, of course. I shuddered as the others left. Obviously he meant it as a joke, but to me it wasn't funny. The only contact I'd ever had with homeless people was when I had occasionally and gingerly handed one a quarter on the street. I had no desire to deal with them without the plastic barrier, the one that separated me and the food from them between us. But when I turned to leave, I couldn't. I'd waited too long. When Ed opened the gates, the people swarmed into the narrow corridor. The line surged forward and turned into a crowd with me. Somehow, in the midst of it, I was carried to the side. I don't belong here! I cried to the burly man behind me. He shrugged. He does. No, I insisted. I've got to get out. But as I succeeded, all I succeeded in doing was moving back about a dozen feet. The line just kept coming, taking up every available inch in that corridor. Eventually, I was swept up to the counter where the food was being served. I'm a volunteer too, I said as I recognized as I accepted two slices of turkey from the woman behind the plexiglass partition separating me from the food. I mean, I don't belong in this line, This they just had too many of us. She merely jumped a dollop of sweet potatoes and a tiny, pudgy cup of cranberry jelly on my paper plate. Happy Thanksgiving. Next, she barked, and I moved along. I'm a volunteer, too, I told the man behind the counter as he handed me a plastic cup of apple juice and a corn muffin. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you, darling, He said. Defeated, I slowly made my way toward the long room and table covered with thin paper to cloth. I settled into one of the the empty seats, too tired and discouraged to leave, but not wanting to have any of these people get too close. A man sat down opposite me. He stuck out his hand and shook mine. I'm Fred, he told me. I'm an alcoholic, he added. We understood that he was now on the road back. That's nice, I said. I was supposed to be a volunteer here. Oh, his face fell, and he turned to the man next to him. A pregnant woman, somehow managing to hold a toddler as well as two plates of food, slid into the end seat and smiled at me warmly. It's nice to sit down, she said. You know how it is, the first time I've been able to eat in peace for days. I'll feed your son, I offered. Oh, would you? That's so kind. Well, actually, I'm a volunteer. It's kind of my job. Always her face clouded. She ate quietly, not saying anything else. The only other people at the table were a father and son, a man in a tank top with a rip on the side, along with a man with a blonde cowlick and a missing front tooth. They bowed their heads briefly, and I averted my eyes and I watched them as I picked up my crumbling corn muffin. The turkey was dry, and the room smelled terrible like a junior high's lunchroom. I heard the boy say, Daddy, mm, I like this food. The father smiled at his son exuberantly. "Don't eat too fast, son." He turned towards me and said an explanation, "It's been a while since I could afford to give him a good meal like this one, you know." I'm a volunteer," I said quickly. The father's face went went bright red, and there was an awkwardness in the air. Unaware of it, the boy chimed in helpfully, "We got a volunteer in our class at school. She sits right down at our table, our table with us at school. You know, she teaches us better than our teacher because she's right there at the same table." He repeated, not way up in the front of the room. He smiled as he jabbed the plastic fork into the sweet potato and ate them with gusto. I stared at the boy amazed that he put his finger right on the heart of the matter. I had been so busy looking for differences between me and everyone else. I was acting as if I was a separate species. But there they were so different. Hadn't I had bad relationships? Hadn't I got job problems? Didn't I have friends who were recovering alcoholics? And what about my 20-year-old niece, who was already a parent of a toddler and an infant? Was this woman in the shelter less worthy just because she didn't live in a suburban home? Thoughtfully, I finished my corn muffin. By the time I left, I spoke with Fred, Dave, Ella, my table mates, along with Donald and of the children. By then, the crowd had thinned considerably, and I was able to make my way through the hall easily. Once outside, I blinked in the bright sun, and then I cringed when I saw a TV newscaster, with his microphone in the faces of several people on the line. What do they think these people are? And I'm the zoo? I stopped dead in my tracks then, having to smile at my own indignation. I had been feeling superior too, believing I was better than the people I was volunteering to help. Then I had trust had been thrust in this odd situation of having lunch with them. Only discover we went so different after. The only barriers separating us had been one that I had erected re- myself. My willingness to see these people as they were just people. Then that was when, caught deep in thought, I bumped directly into one of the newspaper reporters. Holding a pen over his notepad, he asked me, how was your meal? I considered the question and surprised myself with my answer. The food was a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, I said, but the best part of the meal was talking to really nice people I shared it with. (laughs) Amen. That's a beautiful thing. And in closing... I want to tell everybody, I want to thank you so much for listening, and remember, God loves you, and you're never alone. Just think of that, how many angels and the Holy Spirit in the Bible for us to read, and so many people are ministering to us and we don't even know it, and remember to love those around you and to get generous during the holidays because the holidays are coming really close comes Halloween and then everything after so as you get ready for the holiday season remember to give generously like they did the they were asking like Paul's asking the Corinthians to do today so give generously and make, make yourself a part of and not set yourself apart okay now let's do our traditional prayer after a moment of silence for those that are out there still suffering God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And the courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So remember God loves you. I love you. And I hope to see you here next week. Same time, same station. And we're going on to Second Corinthians chapter 9 in the Holy Bible. Thank you all for tuning in. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.